0: Vineyard Podcast, and I am Pastor Kathy Smirella. We want to help you love Jesus, grow together, and give back. And I get to serve as your host today. I'm here with Pastor Abraham. Pastor Abraham is the founder of Christ for India. It's a national ministry with over 4,500 churches, and they have many children's homes and Bible schools, high schools, sewing institutes. And Pastor Abraham is here because we had last night Art for the Heart of India, and he came all the way here just for that event. And uh, as you can tell, it My voice is a little bit worn out from last night because it was so exciting. We raised over $80,000 at Art for the Heart of India, which is fantastic. And so uh, we're celebrating that, but we're also going to talk with Pastor Abraham just about his ministry and what has been going on in India. Does that sound okay to you, Pastor Abraham? Yeah,
1: sounds good to me.
0: All right, so we're just, I'm just going to ask a few questions so people can get to know you a little bit better. Uh, the first one is just, can you tell us kind of a short version of your story? Like, how did you become the founder of Christ for India?
1: Well, how did you become a founder of nothing, <laughs> you know? So we didn't have anything when I started. You know, I started my ministry when I was 21 years old. The Lord called me. I left my job. I walked out of my home. And uh, God's plan was to preach the gospel. And uh, as I said, I had nothing. I lived on the streets and and uh, wondering why God called me and what was going to happen in my life. And uh, But God kept on telling me, your call is to evangelize the nation of India. Well, I did not realize the seriousness of that call because I did not know what the nation of India is all about. It's just not me. It is the case of every Indian because India is such a complex nation. we got 29 states. It's almost like 29 different countries. So to most of the Indians... The state that they're living in or maybe the city or the village they live in will be their India. So when the Lord was saying, go and evangelize the nation of India, a country with 22 major languages, mm-hmm. you know, every state is so different. You know, their culture is different. Yeah. So that's where I started. And I didn't have anything. So I started with street meetings, you know, having air meetings out on the street corners, and um, the Lord showed up, and people got saved, people got healed, incurable diseases, like blind eyes opened, wow. you know, lame walked. And and people came and gave their hearts to the Lord, and I baptized them. And later on, I found out that was our first church, hmm. and uh, I moved on from there and keep on doing what the Lord has called me to do. And that is how Christ for India was formed.
0: And how long ago was that?
1: That was in 1974. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, I know we went, a small team of us went to India last January, and uh, we weren't really sure if what we had heard, that you had 4,500 churches and a bunch of orphanages and schools, we were like, how is this happening in the nation of India? So, we went really to check it out and to see if all this was really happening and it's really happening.
1: Is that why you came? It's I part thought of you came because you loved us. <laughs> you came to we check did. us out?
0: We came to check you out because oh we were amazed God. that God was doing all these things. And it was, and then, you know, we got to know you and of course we love you now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so, tell. Our team Vineyard folks, what's it like to be a Christian in the country of India?
1: Well, you know, like India is not a Christian country to begin with, and India is totally against Christianity. So like the people who got saved under my ministry and the people who got healed, whom I baptized, you have to realize that they can't go back to their homes. They just became a Christian. They are not acceptable in their home, in their family. Even the village will not accept them. So, they will be kicked out of their homes, they will be kicked out of their villages, people will lose their jobs, in some cases, they have lost their lives. So, that is a price that you pay to be a Christian in India. Hmm. And in spite of that, because they have experienced the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, they experience His love and His grace, they have decided to make the sacrifice. And they have decided to follow him. And the good thing is, when you're making such a big, paying a big price to become a Christian, you will not go back that easy. Yeah. So that's a good thing.
0: Well, that's a great, that's such a great point. That's such a, because I was, one of the things in my head was, like, how do you find hope in the midst of that? How do you find hope in the midst of losing your family, potentially losing your job, losing the things that you know? How do you find hope in the midst of, How do you, as the founder pastor, pastor of pastors, how do you help them give people hope in the midst of? I yeah.
1: I think it's a good start for them. Yeah. You know because they have taken that step, finding hope in their life. So I don't need to do anything extra for that. They will not step out if they have not seen Christ in in His full form. Mm with all his glory with all his love and compassion and they have made a choice on one side the security of the family the the village and all that on the other side a real life a life with peace and joy and they chose to follow that path so that's why you know we we don't see many backsliding in india hmm. You know very rarely you see people you know going away from God, you know once they have committed their life to Jesus Christ, yeah, so
0: yeah, we probably need a little more of that, because I think we I feel like we see people backsliding way more often than we should, or giving up on Jesus and that kind of thing so uh so back to the ministry thing for a second, so you started churches. You have over 4,500 churches, which is amazing to me. But then you have schools and you have orphanages and you have sewing centers. How did starting a church in India turn into all these other things too?
1: Well, we don't have much time, right? Because every one of those (laughs) things has a story in itself. So the interesting thing is when God called me for the ministry, I was absolutely convinced. My call is only to get people saved. Get people healed. Get them out of hell, take them to heaven. My job is done. Yeah. And I believe that with all my heart. So I remember coming to this country some years ago, and my friends, who really you know were concerned and loving to me, they used to tell me, "Don't talk about those churches. Don't talk about asking for support for your pastors. Nobody cares. Mm. If you want some money, you talk about children. You talk about orphans, bring some photographs of a tummy bulging kid, you know, half naked. So that that will attract the, you know, the attention of the people and you might raise money. So I used to tell them, well, that sounds good to me. But I don't have the heart to do these things because that's not my call. So if I raise money or not, I can't do anything that I don't believe that God has called me to. So I was evading and staying away from this for many, many years. Until one day, I was in one of the remote places in one of the backward states of India called Odisha. I was preaching there. So while I was wandering around in the daytime, I found out the mothers were selling their little boys. We're talking about five, six, seven years old. They sold their sons for 50 cents. Shocked me. I could not believe because I am thinking I am an Indian I live all my life in India and this is my country and how could this happen and why are they doing this mm. then I found out that the highest starvation deaths were in their place so the mothers not just selling ruthlessly but they're trying to get rid of their children somewhere where they can find some food and I'm thinking what are they being sold Then I followed the trail, and then I found them in another state where they have been sold out for carpet factories. You know, if anybody knows anything about carpet, you need to have small fingers to put knots on the carpet. So the more knots per square inch, the more expensive the carpet will become. Hmm. So they were using these little kids, and I could not be, you won't believe me if I say that these kids were put to work for 16 hours a day From 6 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. I said, God, this is not right. This is not right. And the Lord said, okay, give them a home. So I went back to those families. I said to them, don't sell your children. I'll have them. So in one day, I took 29 boys. And I didn't know where to take them. So I took them to the small, tiny little uh, church, you know, a thatch roof. I said, this is your home. But I promise you, you won't starve. So that was my first orphanage. Yeah. And then another place I found the girls living off the streets in front of the shops in the middle of the night, raped repeatedly by those men because they had been kicked out of their homes. God spoke to me again. Take them out. Give them a home. So that became our girls' orphanage. Yeah. One by one, and today we have got 17 orphanages in different parts of India. And we are looking after more than 400 orphan children that's that up. the awesome. Lord has given to us.
0: So God kind of changed your call.
1: Yeah. He said, or expanded you know, it. If, it, I expand would, it. You know, if I would make it say I could have a joke. When the Lord was telling me, you know, I want you to take care of the kids. So I'm just telling God, well, no, that's not my call. <laughs> 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 what do you mean, take care of the kids? And uh, so then I realized. So one by one, everything, like the school was another story. You know, I, I never wanted to have schools. I never wanted to have anything except gospel, except starting church. That is it. So this guy comes to me. This is one of the toughest areas where I started the church. My pastor over there is... Most of the time in the hospital, his arms broken, his legs broken, beaten up so badly. and that Because is a, he's a pastor. Because he's a Christian pastor working, okay. and the whole community is so hostile against him. So that is the background of this town. Yeah, This town is known for uh, uh, highway robberies and daylight murders. You mm-hmm. know, the police will say, if you're driving through that town, don't stop. Even if somebody is standing with a police uniform, don't stop. Wind your window up, lock your car, keep driving, because you never know who is there trying to stop you. Right? So that yeah. is a background. And this guy comes to me, and he says, I want you to start a mission school in my area. You know, in India, the people, the Hindus, others, call the Christian school as mission school, because of the background of the British yeah. influence. So I said, no, I've got no plan to start the school, so I wanted to get rid of him. So I said to him, no, sir, we don't have any school and we don't plan to have any schools. He said, well, maybe you should have your first school in my area. I said, no. I said to him, you know what, but we, we are having a, all our ministries are in rented places. We don't even have a land to build a school. Uh, He said to me, okay, how about I get you a land? Would you build a school? I said, well, I don't have any money to buy the land. So I'm trying to get rid of this guy, right? And he's not going. And he said, okay, how about I give you a land free? Would you build a school? Now I'm stuck. See, just like me sitting, (laughs) you know, you're sitting across the table right now. So it's the same thing. And I'm thinking because I believe that it's not my job to start a school. And one guy is offering me a land free. And I'm thinking he's distracting me from my call. And I'm thinking it is from the devil. (laughs) So I'm sitting and praying with my eyes open, looking at him. And I said, God, you have to talk to me right now. What is this? Why is this Hindu man is offering me a land free to build a Christian school? Why? You have to speak to me. So because I'm looking at him, not answering him, he must have thought that His offer was not good enough. So he looks at me and he said, well, how about this offer? Is that you promised me to build a school in my area. And he said, I will give you a land free for the school. And then I will give you another land free for you to build your church. What do you think? I said, okay, offer accepted. Because I'm thinking definitely the devil will not be offering a land free for building a church.
0: I would think not.
1: So that is how the school minister, now today we got about seven schools. We're starting in the eighth school now. So we've got more than 3,000 kids. And I think you were there. You came yeah. and visited our school, right? We did, yeah. And we wanted to give the best to the children of the villages and uh, seeing many of them. You know, like, you know, we have been running this school for many years and our kids have graduated you know, they, they never even wanted to go to school in the first place. Their parents didn't want them to go to school. We insisted. We dragged them out of the house. We convinced the parents. And now some of them, you know, the other day they came, a boy comes and touches my feet. He's a kind of showing respect to the elders in yeah. India. And uh, I said, who are you? I said, sir, I'm from a, this school. I'm an ex-student of the school. So I said, what are you doing? He said, I've become a doctor. Another one I met some time later, and he said, I am a CPA. Another one, an engineer, and I'm signing that thing. Oh, God, it's all worth it. You know, all worth it. So many challenges I have to go through. Many times I thought I'm going to shut down the school because of the opposition from many people. But we went through all those, and we are still there.
0: So for us here at the Vineyard Church, listening to your story, listening to what God is telling you, what's the takeaway for us? Like how, how can we take that and figure out what God would have us learn from you?
1: Well, I, I, you know, I think that you know, every one of us learn things in our own ways, in our own situations, right? Like we learn things according to India. Right and whereas you will learn things according to your country, but I look at you and I look at this church, that it's a god united relationship, and uh, I believe that in God's kingdom, we are all one team. Mm. you know I never believed in one man show. it is never Abraham's ministry, yeah. You know, it is Christ for India. And that is a goal. We want the people of India to bow down to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Our and our motto is India for Christ and Christ for India. Hmm. So, and I believe that we can't achieve that goal if we don't work together. God has put you in a country, very affluent, uh, so different to us. Somebody asked me the other day and said, uh, are you angry looking at the sumptuousness and the luxury of this country? You know, the things that we have and you don't have? I said, maybe a long time ago. But I said, no, not anymore, because I believed that the United States of America is in a position where you are so that you can support the ministry around the world. You know when we the Bible talks about giving, right? And of course, it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. But on the other hand, if there is somebody you want to give, there should be somebody to receive. Otherwise, why would you give, mm-hmm. right? That's a good point. Uh, and so we are at the receiving end. I don't like to be there, but I am there. But I think it is God's plan. And so it is just like a water. The water will not flow in a, in a stagnant level ground. Right. There has to be a hills and a valley. So at this time, God has kept us at the receiving end, and God has kept you at the giving end. And when we work together, we will be able to reach the lost, the millions in the nation of India. I believe that with all my heart.
0: Yeah. I do think, though, that you have things to give to us as well. I When I was in India and uh, just talking especially to some of the women who, if they become a Christian, they're kicked out of their home. Maybe the men are too, but I was talking to women. And uh, they. it's worth it anyway to follow Jesus. And so... That's a really good challenge, witness anything, even to someone like me. You know, I've given my life to Christ, but I'm not, my family still loves me. You know, I'm not kicked out of my house for that. I'm not persecuted for that. And in India, you can be persecuted for that. And so I think that's that example is the way you give to us to. I don't know, to keep going, to, to not give up. Uh, yeah, I feel like you, that's, it's not just us giving to you, it's you giving to us and hearing your stories and knowing that uh, following Jesus should be taken seriously. I don't know, does that make sense? Uh, it makes sense. It yeah. does.
1: It does. And uh, well, maybe that's what, because we don't know what we are giving back to you. Yeah, it's only, some of that. Only for sure. you know. And uh, I think maybe our tenacity, our absolute dedication, and the willingness to sacrifice—that yeah. may be the qualities that we have in our lives. Maybe because of the things that we don't have, hmm. you know, and uh, and still we love God. Yeah, and uh, we will not blame God because we don't have. You know, we are struggling, you know. We are Christians, still there are people who don't have anything to eat. And still they love God. Right. And uh, so I think that could be the qualities I believe that every Christian should have. Yeah. No matter which country you come from. Absolutely. Yeah. Our dedication should be complete. Yeah. And nothing in this world, no circumstances should shake it. And that's what I believe with all my heart.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's good for us to hear. So what's the, a different question, what's the biggest challenges that you face? Christ for India, uh, your churches, your pastors, what's the biggest challenge?
1: You know, like we face a lot of persecutions at the moment. We lost a couple of pastors.
0: Yeah, talk about what that looks like, because I don't know that we really understand. When you say we face a lot of persecution, I don't know if we understand that.
1: Well, it is not somebody saying a bad word. Like, it is not somebody sticking up the finger. Mm-hmm. That's not what we talk about. It is real. It is physical. You know, people have been beaten up mercilessly and threatened. And I said, the people have been killed for being a Christian, for being a pastor, right? So that is the price that we pay. And uh, persecution is more rampant these days because we have a government which is not very favorable to Christianity. So one of the important needs is prayer always Mm. because like pray for our security, you know, we want God's protection upon our lives, upon our children, uh, upon the families, the Christian family, not just the pastoralist family. Even being a Christian in India is a big challenge. Yeah. Because uh, there are stories where they have come and burned down the whole village of Christians, whole village. You know, I've gone there to see those people. I still remember. And those women sitting there in front of this burned, you know, burned out thatch houses sitting with the only sari that they were wearing and, and they knew that I was coming to visit and I still remember they came and they are just rolling on the, on the mud crying holding on to their little sari and saying this is all we have we lost everything mm. you know they lost they didn't have much but they lost everything yeah and only the thing only the clothes that they were wearing And the the challenge is, I'm standing there and thinking, why? It's only because they belong to Jesus. Not because of anything that they have done wrong. No. They lost their home. They lost everything because they were followers of Jesus Christ. So we need prayers for our protection. The Lord will stand with us. And... uh, We want to see a mighty move of God to take place in that country. I believe with all my heart that India will be saved one day. Hmm. And that's my commitment. That's what I believe. Because there are multi-millions of people in India have never heard the name of Jesus Christ even once. You know, you you can't even believe that. Because when you're fighting over which translation of the Bible I should carry to the church today. So good you know whereas we, people don't even know what a Bible is yeah. people don't even know what Jesus means you go to preach somewhere and they'll be saying what, what you're trying to sell something what is Jesus a medicine mm. 2000 years have passed by church is getting ready to go because Jesus is coming back we're waiting for the second coming whereas we don't understand that there are millions of people who don't even know about this first coming of Jesus Christ. Mm. I believe that people need the Lord. People got to be saved. And of course, as you all know, this is nothing new. We need finance to continue the ministry. We need help. As I said earlier, when somebody gives, somebody to receive. And God has kept you in the place where you can give. And I believe the church in this country should be obedient to the call of God and being faithful stewards of God's money. And when you do that, we will be able to reach the loss. Because many times our hands are tied up. I want to do much, much more than what I have done. But not... Being able to, I always remember the story that I've heard during the Second World War when Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of, of England, I heard that he was speaking to the people of America on the radio. He was a direct broadcast. And he was talking to the people of this country to help them because the war was at the final stage. And they were struggling. And he was challenging this country to stand with them and support them. And this is how he finished his speech, which I will never forget. And he said like this, Give us the tools and we will finish the job.
0: Hmm.
1: And I want to repeat those words today. And I'm saying to all my friends, great Christians and pastors, and to the church, the Vineyard Church, I said, Would you give us the tools? we will finish the job yeah
0: that's good that's good uh one last question for you pastor abraham uh so this podcast is for our team vineyard members they are there's about 600 team vineyard members they're the ones who are in you know if you're a team vineyard member you are coming to church regularly you serve on a team you give to the church Uh, So they're in, they're our core of the Vineyard Church. And so as a fellow Christian, not just a Christian in India, not just a ministry in India, but as a fellow follower of Jesus, what last word of encouragement do you have for them?
1: I would say to your team, what they are doing is the bare minimum. Nobody should think they're doing God a favor. Hmm. You know, are you a dedicated, committed Christian involved in, in some kind of activities in the church? I believe that it is demanded of you. We don't have a choice. And I pray, not just 600 people, every person in your church should be in that team. And then they should rise up to the situation saying, God has called us, we are not here to sit and heat the pew of the church But we have to be a witness of Jesus Christ. And I want to say to everyone, good for you. You are doing great. But God is waiting for something much more from every one of you. And you can do it. And God will bless you.
0: All right, Team Vineyard, that's a really good challenge. That's that you like laid it down right there. Pastor Abraham. That's awesome. So team Vineyard, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. We will see you this weekend.